Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Preaching my sermon in my active wear. Mm. Active wear. It's the dynamic we were, where we said last week that somehow in society today, looking like has ascended being like. That you could be someone who dresses up in all your gym gear and have no intention to go to the gym. That's okay. And we said that Christians can treat their faith and that literally looking like Jesus in exactly the same way. That somehow in the church, and that's what we call religious, that looking like has ascended being like. That Jesus said that was never his intention. By their fruit, you would know my disciples. And so we've looked at what it means to actually look and be like Jesus. And we saw last week that the first way that you do that is through active discipline. You actively move yourself into a context where you allow someone or something to cut across your will. You're active about it. But there's a second way that you grow when you go to the gym. I bet you didn't know that. I'm feeling very sporty this morning. But there is a second way that you grow when you go to the gym. It's not just the active exercise of a bicep curl, but there's a second part to the exercise that is just as crucial when you want to build muscle, and that is what's called isometric training. And isometric training, for all the fit bods out there, they know exactly how crucial this is. Isometric training is not the, act, the action of, of pulling up against the bar and, and actively moving your muscle. Isometric training is simply holding yourself against the resistance and the burden that's there. And so one of the most effective ways to train also, that you need to train also, is isometrically. In other words, there's an active discipline. There's actually a passive discipline. So seeing as we're in the spirit, do you want to talk about passive isometric training for the spiritual life this morning? I think we're all feeling very enthused. It's all about what you wear. We're going to talk about passive isometric training in the Christian life. And we call that passive discipline. And we'll see it in this passage. Now, you've got to be careful because passive doesn't mean inactive. Passive means passive because it's something that has been brought into your life. That's what passive exercise is. The weight, the burden has been placed on you and you hold against that resistance. And so passive discipline, let me put it this way. You can do active discipline this week. You can go and choose to obey. But you can't and you won't go and choose to suffer. In other words, passive discipline occurs when by the context of life and radically according to the Bible, even by God's hand at times, trials, hardship, suffering is brought into your life. And the question then is, are you fit enough, are you strong enough to hold and resist against that? But even more wonderfully, we're going to see that only when you resist against that can you grow to the fullest in your faith. That uh, what we will see this morning, that there is no growth without stress. There's that saying that says, no pain, no gain. That there is no growth without stress and hardship in your physical life, and it's true in your spiritual life. And some of you are going, oh great, we're up for one of those sermons. That's wonderfully positive. (laughs) But let me tell you, the Bible says, and we see the truth in it physically, that until you are placed under stress, there is... No means by which you can become significant and you can grow and you can mature. Can't happen. 
It's through trials and hardship. Now, that's so important in this time of year because I don't know if you're like me. When you do your resolutions, you start to set your year up like this. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're going to do all the active disciplines. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to eat well. I'm, I'm going to think well. I'm going to pray well. But we, we often don't, and I, at least I've caught myself doing this. I don't think about this. I don't think, how am I setting myself up to receive the trials and the hardships that are inevitably going to come my way this year? You know that Rafael Nadal has about 19 idiosyncrasies when he plays tennis? One of them is he won't cross over the baseline. He'll only cross over with his right foot. He turns his drink bottles a certain way so they face outwards in the court every single time. He says, do you think it's an accident? Of course not. He says, I set this thing up in my mind so I can control the context by which the movable will come into my life. So in other words, Nadal, he engages in a passive discipline. He builds something into his life that will prepare him to succeed through the trials. Would you like to know how we do that as Christians? How do we stand? How do we endure through the year? And here's the big question for you. What if there was a discipline whereby you could grow even through the tough times? Not the active stuff. What if just this year you grew through the tough times alone? Well, this is how we see how it works. It says here in James, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance must finish its work. It's similar to Hebrews chapter 12, which is only a page or two earlier in your Bibles, where it says in Hebrews 12 verse 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, the underlying Greek word for train there is gymnazo. Does anyone want to be a Greek scholar this morning? Anyone want to have a guess as to what word that leads to in the English language? The gym. <laughs> no, not isometric training. <laughs> Who are, who are gymmed by it, who are trained by it. And so what that means then, it means for you this morning, if you're a person that is facing difficulties in life that you feel are just going to overwhelm you, if you're facing a, trage- a tragedy in your life this morning that you feel is just going to overwhelm you, what it means is just because it's not in accordance with your plan doesn't mean there isn't a plan. That's what the gym's all about. You go and you work with an instructor who tells you to do these exercises that feel horrible at the time. But as we discovered last week, the instructor knows exactly the right amount of discipline and pain to inflict in your life, not to hurt you or to hurt you just a little bit, but to heal you, strengthen you, grow you. So let's frame this up. How does this verse work today? Consider it pure joy. It just sounds so uh, cliche, doesn't it? So that classic Christian cliche, oh, just consider it pure joy. We're happy. No, it's, it's not that. Let's look at what this is. Could there be a dynamic in your life when trials and hardships, when they come, they don't crush you, but they transform you? Could that be possible in what this passage is saying here? How does that happen? How does that happen? Here's the first way. Here's the first thing you do. James says, consider it pure joy. Here's the first thing you've got to do is consider... What is this suffering, this trials and suffering producing in me? 
First one is you have to consider what is the trials and the sufferings producing in me. You know, have you seen people? Have you been one of those people that hardship comes into your life and they go, why me? They're, they're crushed, they're perplexed. They keep, they're angry at God. They're angry at the world. Why, why did this have, have to happen to me? I mean, in the best possible of ways, but I know through my own life, is it just me or is sometimes two-thirds of the pain in suffering is self-induced? That's nuanced. Let's be careful in what I mean by that. But, but it's self-induced. Where there's, there's a confusion on top of the pain and the suffering. That we're saying, why me? Why did this have to happen? I'm a good Christian. I pray. God's supposed to be with me. I've got some special faith survivor immunity idol. This stuff's not supposed to happen in my life. And yet verse 2 says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not if ever, whenever. And so a Christian is someone who is big enough to look at the world and say, I'm not immune from this. A father backs over a child in their driveway. She gets up, walks around a little bit, screams, daddy, daddy, and then falls dead. Cancer hits someone who's lived a healthy life their entire life. These are things that Christians look at and go, I'm, this could happen to me. And so what happens as a result? First of all, remember, we've talked about this. We say that trials and sufferings are indiscriminately inevitable. They can happen in any way to anyone, anywhere, Christian, non-Christian. And so trials are inevitably Inevitable. When, when we get into that as Christians and understand that mindset, then we're not sad about being sad. We're not down about being down. We're not surprised at this. And of course, James is he's not saying, oh, you can't ask why me. Of course, he says it's, it's not meant to be a pleasant feeling when you're going through this distress. But at least there's not a confusion on top of that. And so look at the, look at the nuance of his approach here. James is not saying, consider it joy that you have trials. That, you'd be masochistic if you did that. did that. He's not saying consider it joy that you've got trials, nor is he saying consider it joy once you get out of the trials. Nor is he saying just hold on now and you'll get joy once it's finished. That's what I call the Wilson Phillips approach, you know, the, the band from the 80s, just hold on for one more day. Okay, he's not, he's not saying that. He's saying consider it pure joy because something is happening here. What's happening? Here's how Christianity gives you the resources. What do you do? You have to do what a weightlifter does in any isometric training. When the trials and the sufferings come, you hold on. You just, you resist. You don't, you don't necessarily try and push it and try and push through it. You just, you hold it, you sit, you stay, you obey. That's passive discipline. And in the midst of that pain, you think beyond the stress and you consider, what is this producing in me? Get in this? Lord, what is this? If, if you are the gym instructor, if you are the one who knows me intimately, if you know exactly the right amount of pain to bring into my life so as to not just hurt me but to ultimately heal me, Lord, what are you producing in me? I want some examples of how that works. Here's the first thing it could produce in you. A humility. Remember Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and he's got the thorn in his flesh and he said, I pleaded to God three times that he would get rid of this. Who's ever prayed that prayer? And what does the Lord say? <laughs> what we never want to hear. Oh, Paul, don't worry. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
And Paul finally gets it and he reflects upon this and he says, ah, I I get it now. I I will not boast in that. In fact, I rejoice in my weaknesses now because it's so the world can see that it is his power, not my power. It, it is his, it's his work, not my work, that I'm able to do these amazing things in life. And so through that, it produced a humility. What could it produce? It could produce humility in your life. Here's the other thing it could produce. Compassion. You hear someone over talking at a table. Oh, you, you've, you've, you're going through anxiety and depression. I've been through that too. Let, let me tell you what, what, what really works in that. <laughs> oh, you've, you've had your 15th night of three hours sleep because you've got two kids under two? <laughs> Let's have a coffee about that. <laughs> you've got cancer. I understand what's happening there. Let, let me tell you about it. See how it, it produces a compassion in you. Humility, compassion, capacity. That's another one that it could produce in you. Capacity to do it. Kristen, Kristen said to me the other week, oh, if, if only we could just go back six years and do life back then with the sort of capacity and fervour that we do life now, that we've got two kids. <laughs> Has anyone ever felt like that? Isn't it, isn't it amazing the way that it can work when you go through certain stresses and difficulties? And have you ever found yourself saying in hindsight, you know what, if I hadn't have gone through this, if I hadn't have gone through that back then, then there's no way that I would survive what we're going through now. Anyone ever been in that situation? Isn't it amazing the way that God can bring hardships and trials in our life, which let's be real, at the time seem overwhelming. We're not going to get our, ourselves through this. And yet by the miracle of the growth that he produces in this passive discipline, we can get to even greater trials and challenges. And because of that, say, he is faithful and he has built a capacity in me that allows me to deal with this now. Thank you, Lord. This is why we Christians can be a bit of a crazy bunch. That's why we can consider it joy in our suffering and our trials. Because we've seen what it is that he is or has produced. So if you're up against it this morning, can I encourage you, the first question you've got to ask yourself is, what is this producing in me? In other words, suffering under the right way, under passive discipline, your trials, they're actually producing a person of significance. You're a person of significance. I always used to hate the way that as a 23-year-old, I'd go to work and I'd think I'm really, really smart and I had my university degree and people would say, oh, that's great, Sam, but you're so young. I used to think they meant that I was dumb. I didn't know. Th- I knew things. <laughs> no, what, what they really meant was, you haven't suffered. You haven't, been, you haven't had enough stings yet. You haven't been through the trials of life. You're not quite yet a person of weightiness, of significance. The Bible calls that glory. If you, if you want to be a person of significance, you need to go through the trials. Consider what they're producing. Now, let's go deeper. What causes the producing? How does that work? So not only do you consider that something's being produced, but let's look at how that production works. The next question you've got to ask when you're in the midst of trials and suffering is, you need to consider, Lord, what is this revealing about me? Now, this is pretty obvious. This is what, this is what I call the blessing and the curse of active wear. The blessing and the curse of active wear. On one hand, active wear, the blessing, it's very comfortable. <laughs> the curse of active wear is it's very revealing. That's why for your sake I wore shorts over these tights. (laughs) 
You go into a gym in active wear and it's, it's every, every curve, every bulge <laughs> is out there for the world to see. It's very revealing. So too is the gymnazo, to use the Greek. The gymnazo, when you go to the gym, it's, it's, it's very revealing. Remember last week I said the thing that frustrates me about spin class is that everyone can look like they're doing the job. But when you get into the gym and you get under a personal trainer and they put the weights in front of you and they say, you're there, you've got your arms out ready to do some isometric training and they put 100 kilograms on you, you <laughs> to the floor, it's very revealing. Here's the thing that trials do to you in life. It's, it's very revealing of the weaknesses that you would not have known were already there. Now that, uh, there's a negative and positive to this. Let's start with the negative. The negative is that trials and hardships reveal areas of your life inevitably in which you're weak. How many times in crisis have you lost your block? How many times when God's not delivered on your agenda and you thought you were a patient person and it went, you know, just that one week beyond your own mental deadline in your head of when you thought God had to deliver on your agenda, you thought you were a patient person and you lose your block? The time where you thought you were a calm person and something presses in on you and Anger spews out for, from you. Trials and hardships have a way of revealing the things, the weaknesses in life. Now, that is an okay thing because we said, uh, uh, as Paul said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not all that I should be, I'm, but I'm bearing all of my energies to, to this one thing, looking ahead and forgetting the past. Uh, it is the job of God through the Holy Spirit to conform us into the likeness of the Son. You and I both know we don't look like Jesus yet. And so it's, it's okay to have those weaknesses revealed to us. And in fact, the Christian, when they go through that, can say, thank you, Lord, for this moment. Thank you that the anger and the impatience has spewed out from me. That's something I need to work on. You'd say that to your personal trainer, right? Thank you. Okay, I, I need to work on the biceps, but the legs are good. <laughs> it reveals where you need to do your work. But there's a positive aspect to all of this too. Trials can receive, can reveal a strength and a capacity and a joy that you thought you never had. I talked to the more mature bunch. They tend to sit over here in church now, I realised. The, the, the powerhouse up in here. But I, I, I love the example that you all are to me, the older generation, because you've, you've been through this. You, you understand this, that, that life hits you and, and there are, there are th- things that it, capacities, ways that, ways that you guys do life that I just thought, man, if that happened to me now, I'd never get through that. Ever felt that way? And then you get in the midst of it and you just go, I don't know how I survived that. It, re- it reveals a, 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 a deeper capacity in you, but a deeper joy. And it's fascinating the way that we, we get to that because James says here, let perseverance finish its work so it may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But how does that happen? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces the perseverance. Now, the word underneath that it connotates the imagery of smelting. Now, smelting is a process where you put a precious metal with all of its impurities into a furnace and the extreme heat and the pressure on it burns off all of the impurities from that, either oxidised or burnt away, and you're left with the gold. That's what smelting does. And, and trials and hardship in your life, they smelt you. What I mean by that, let's get practical here, is that, that it can actually reveal the deeper joy. It works like this. How many times have you seen people go through life, or maybe it's your story, where 
you say that you've got a deep, deep joy, but really that joy is hidden in a house or a career or a job or a bank balance. And the trials and the sufferings come in and they strip that away from you. You get stuck in the furnace. It, it, it burns it off you. And what you're left with is gold. What you're left with is, consider it a, a pure joy, not a hybrid joy, not an impure joy, not a false joy, a pure joy, a joy that is not grounded in your circumstances. I've got to tell you, most of, most of our dear friends over this side of the auditorium know absolutely what that means. To have that stri- stripped from you and to be placed in situations that you don't think that you can come out of and somehow the paradox of the Christian life is that, that, that grief and joy, trials and joy don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can coexist, right? That's the only way that you're going to get pure joy, not a hybrid joy. These trials can, yes, they can reveal your weaknesses, but they can also kick you into a joy that you never thought you had through smelting you, testing your faith. So can you see how now this could be the dynamic that could set you up well for 2016? Could you see how if you get this, just this simple, the considering that what God is producing in you and considering what he's revealing in you, you know what you do if you set that up in your life? You're twisting the water bottles like Rafa. Like it's, it's not saying that necessarily we, we're wishing that upon ourselves. Heaven forbid, we're not doing that. But what we're saying is, you think this is by accident? No, I set myself up for the year. I set up a mental discipline that I am prepared when the trials and suffering comes to consider how it could produce something in me and to consider it may be the very means by which God is revealing the things I need to work on. See how that can work? So, for some of you though, uh, that, that's tough and I, I want to speak to you about that in a second. Some of you are thinking, I don't even want to think about that at the moment with what I'm going through. Uh, for, the, for the rest of us that have got a bit of energy there, let me just be really quick in this to say application points. <laughs> what do we do with this? You have to be very active in your passive discipline. First way is that you've got to learn God's lessons. So if, if we're considering that he's producing something in me in all of this, then you have to learn his lessons when you go through the trials and the sufferings. As I've said before, the Christian asks the question like this. A Christian doesn't say, why is this happening to me? The Christian says, why is this happening to me? You hear the difference? Want it again? <laughs> the Christian doesn't say, why is this happening to me? The Christian says, why is this happening to me? In other words, Lord, what are you producing? What are you revealing? What are you doing in me through this that is specifically meant for me? The other one is you've just got to consider his timing. You're going to spend a billion years with him. And that's just the introduction in the waiting room when we get to heaven. We're there for eternity. Oh, a year, a two. Oh, that's, uh, that's like vapour compared to the length of time that we will have with him. That's a year or two is vapour compared to those who have experienced life and understand the ebbs and the flows of seasons of life. Consider his timing. And if that's tough to understand, get along someone, alongside someone who's mature and older and can help you see the perspective in all of that. Learn the lessons, consider his timing. Now, for some of you, as we, we finish, he's, he's saying, look, consider it pure joy. That's not enough. Seriously, Sam? Do you know what I'm going through at the moment? Like that's, that's, that's one of your Christian cliches. 
Oh, consider it joy. Look, here's what I need you to think about, upon if, if, if this is you to this morning. Um, sometimes you just need to stay and obey. Sometimes you just need to stay and obey. Consider it pure joy and let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work. The word there for perseverance is hypermenio. It literally means to hyperstand. Okay, so it's to stand very strong. Hyperactive children, hyperstanding Christians. Okay, strong standing, standing strong. Maybe forget the considering, can forget the analysis, forget the rest of it. If there is one thing that you take this morning, if you're really hurting in the midst of difficulties and tra- tragedies, hyperstand. Do what every other isometric weightlifter would do. Just hold, hold it. Oh, and just trust that the instructor will, will, will never put you under things that you can't eventually bear. Just stay and obey. To use a sailing analogy, which takes us out of the whole active wear type <laughs> analogy that we've got going this morning. But look, when you're sailing, the worst, and, you, and, and when you're sailing and the storms come, the worst thing that you can do is go under the deck. You've got to put the raincoat on. You, you've got to go up to that, that big wheel and you've just got to hold the rudder straight. And yeah, you're going to get blown around. But at the least, if your trajectory's right, then you're going to get blown a heck of a lot faster to your destination than if you went underneath the deck. Stay and obey. Were you going, before the trials hit, were you going to church? Were you serving people? Were you in community? Were you relating to people? Were you praying? Were you seeking God's truth? Were you doing that? Yeah? Okay. Don't stop. Don't stop. How many times do we see our friends here that the minute the trials and suffering comes, they withdraw? They go AWOL for five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks. Don't stop. Trust. And here's how you trust. Because in some ways, I've led you down a bit of a garden path and I need to correct my mistake this morning. The worst thing that you can do is think of God as your coach this morning. Because it, it, it comes, it, the right perspective came from Hebrews 12 again. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Endure hardship, trials as discipline. We've talked about this. It doesn't mean endure hardship as punishment. That word there is paedia. Endure your hardship as, translated, God's fatherly nurturing care. Any good parent knows That on one hand, if the pain is self-inflicted and self-induced, then there needs to be a discipline and a holding in what feels like a period of pain for the child, for them to understand that that is wrong and that they don't turn into the sort of person that will cause more damage to themselves and others when they grow up, right? When we go in and understand that it's God's fatherly care, what he is doing is he's, in his infinite wisdom, he's taking the, the external brokenness of the world and he's matching it up with your internal brokenness in such a way not as to hurt you but to heal you not as to wreck you but to restore you and so the Christian goes into these times saying I don't persevere for the sake of persevering I persevere because I know that he loves me and cares for me and he must have a perspective that I can't see like every father has to their child
stay and obey. Isometric training. You will not grow unless there is stress. (laughs) Trials, hardship, suffering, all of these things, they will accelerate your growth. But here's the warning. In one of two areas, trials, hardship, suffering will accelerate your growth either into a person who is bitter or better. Which way? Well, that's going to be entirely up to you. Let's pray. Father God, help us this morning. I particularly pray for those brothers and sisters that they start a new year in many ways. There are things ahead of them that they feel that they just cannot bear. And I pray for them, Lord, that uh, at one end of the spectrum, I pray for those that just need to stay and obey this morning and that by your Holy Spirit, you will give them a perspective of your fatherly nurturing love and you will help them see that, Lord, you are bringing things into their life that ultimately will heal them and restore them. Father, for us as your people, as your children, as your church, we desperately want to be the sort of church that doesn't just look like we've got the gear and the active wear but but we really are like Jesus and so will you help us through our own will and and through the mysteries of the ways that you control all of these things that come into your into our life under your sovereign hand will you will you grow us and shape us will will you help us understand the significance not only of the active but the passive disciplines that we must undergo when we face life and so, Lord, in that, uh, we, we pray for the, the deeper paradox in all of this. I thank you, Father, that we are a church that we see in those that have journeyed before us, that there is a real, there is a, a pure joy in people in this place. Not a joy in spite of the suffering and the hardship, but a joy because of the suffering and the hardship. Help us to dare to press into that dynamic this year in 2016, to have a right balance of both. And in so doing, may we be different and beautiful and wonderful to the watching world. May ultimately that glory, the way that it did in Paul's life, help us point people to you. Because in our inexplicability, there's a, there's a dynamic by which we say, hey, this is not my power, but your power, God's power, working in our life. We pray for that, Father, that you would change us in that way. We submit to that as your children. We trust you in that. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.